Hey, I'm Steph, and this is Not Today. Slay, 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 Honestly, this might be the perfect intro. Hello, friends. Hi. And welcome to Not Today, our very first guest episode. Oh my gosh, I am so beyond honored to be here. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. Hello, everybody. I am Sienna, Sienna Jekyll, Steph's friend, fellow podcaster, and longtime listener of the show. Bestie of the show, you might say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Also, you have a podcast of your own. I do. I guess we might as well start it off with that, yeah. um, since you guys don't know me at all. Um, <laughs> I do have my own podcast called Tossed Popcorn, where we were watching the... American Film Institute's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time. Today we recorded number 98. Hell yeah. So we're almost done with the list. Steph has been here for so much of this podcast. Absolutely. Um, and I've been listening to hers as well. And we've been podcasting buddies. The whole time. Working on our podcasts together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At weird hours of the day. Yeah, we just sit in a room together and do our show <laughs> together, but separately, but at the same but time, separately. in the same room. And today, together. Yes. Today, <laughs> they become one. And that is amazing. But it's actually kind of for a ridiculous reason. So this episode was supposed to be with Alex, but he is in DC and we tried to record it remotely. But unfortunately, I sounded like I was in a tin can. Um, <laughs> and so Sienna very graciously agreed to be our very first guest and save the day. So thank you so much. I'm so glad you're here. And we should have done this sooner. But I know. Also, I'm very glad you're here for many reasons. But also, thank you for saving the day. Happy to be here, especially in a in a situation where I got to save something, which seems very on par with the show. <laughs> you're so right. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm a bit of I'm a bit of the hero of this story. That is so true. Oh, my God. What are we talking about today? What do I get to listen to? You are in for a real treat because we have some freak accidents. This is freak <gasps> accidents number two. So we've got quite I, the lineup for you today. I did listen to the first one and I am very excited for the second one then. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you want me to just jump right in? <laughs> I am respectfully and reverently excited to hear about these. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Always respectfully. <laughs> Because these things did happen to real people, and I am sorry. Yes, as as we know, these are real people. They they did happen, and we would like to be respectful of that. Um, but yeah, shall we just jump right in? Yes, please. Okay. I'm trying to respect your show. <laughs> You're doing amazing so far. And, thank goodness yeah if i break any rules at any point please let me know no you're doing you're doing great i i know you're gonna be fantastic so we are gonna be talking about truman duncan a man who was run over by a train oh, no yeah so in june of 2006 38 year old truman duncan was working at greenbrier rail service in the rail yards of Claiborne, Texas, when he slipped and fell off of a moving railroad freight car. He fell off and he hit the ground, but he stood back up really quickly. However, the end of the car hit Truman in the chest, so he grabbed a hold of it. He tried to run backwards as fast as he could to outrun the train. Oh, what? Yeah, so he managed to do that for about 20 seconds, but it turns out that trains are pretty fast. And Yeah, so I've heard. Yeah, so he fell, and as he fell, his oh. his right leg got caught beneath the wheels of the train. Oh my gosh. Yeah, as his legs were pulled underneath the train, Duncan knew there was this spring in between the wheels that he could grab a hold of, which he did in an effort to not get completely... I guess, severed by the wheels of the train. So instead, he was just dragged along the tracks with the train with his legs underneath the wheels instead of getting completely oh. cut in half. 
I guess that's best case scenario at that point, but you never want that. No. Yeah, it's really awful. Wow. Okay. So he was like holding on to something and just praying that the train wouldn't gobble him up completely. Yes. Yeah. It's good that he, I guess, worked for this rail company because he knew that there was like something in the real mechanism he could hold on to. Um, This is a dumb question. And I now see why Alex is often in a position where he has to ask dumb questions. No, please ask questions. Um, so the train was moving like at a train speed, right? It was, I, I believe it was like starting to slow down because it was like okay. going to its destination, which was pretty close. Okay. All right. We can work with that. Yeah. But still, I, I remember learning about momentum in science class. Mm-hmm. Trains are like the number one lesson. <laughs> yeah. say more so big (laughs) they're so big that makes them go so fast yeah i i can't imagine a worse thing to get stuck underneath honestly (laughs) that is a very good point yeah so wow yeah as half of truman's body was pulled underneath the train car he remained conscious and he said it felt like a monster he couldn't get away from it and it was pulling him in as he was trying to push it away And when the train had passed, Truman had been dragged 75 feet by the train. His lower body was still entangled in the wheels of the train, and he was cut nearly in half at the waist, with one Uh. leg attached by a single muscle. If you could only see her face. (laughs) If you could only Uh. see Sienna's face right now, I mean. My mouth is agape. Yes, yeah. And rightfully so, Uh. honestly. Cut in half? Yeah. He said the pain was real severe, and then it just kind of like it wasn't there. I think something else kicks in, and then you try to do things necessary to stay alive. He said, I knew if I just lay there and lay there and lay there, eventually I was going to die. But if I stayed awake, made sure I got help, then there was a possibility that I would live. And that's when I realized that I might have my phone on my hip. So... He actually still had his phone in his pocket. Wow. This is a good advertisement for whatever type of phone he had. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Durable. <laughs> yes, it's a Nokia. Could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be crushed by the train. <laughs> They're indestructible. <laughs> yeah, right. So he was able to reach into his pocket and call 911 because he was still conscious, even though he was like basically cut in half by a train. So... On the 911 tape, he sounded out of breath, but remarkably calm. And he said, wow. yeah, he said, I need 911 care flight. I think I'm cut in two. And the operator said, someone got run over. And Duncan responds, it was me. I guess I'm going into shock. Hurry up, ma'am, because I'm about to pass out. And even after that call, it took 45 minutes for responders to arrive and extricate Duncan from underneath the train. And despite massive blood loss, he stayed conscious and even managed to call his family while he was waiting to be rescued. Wow. Yeah. He called his family. He said, I called and talked to them and started getting upset. And then that's when I just kind of closed my phone and put it over to the side because he said he was just trying to survive. And I guess the phone call to his family was too much. And he was like, it was making me too upset. I'm struck by him still saying ma'am so politely right you know he's not like hurry up get down here get me get me help now yeah that's get me out. that's very or true swearing at people he's like um please ma'am if you have a moment i would if love you could i would truly love to be brought out from underneath this train yeah i would love an ambulance if you could whenever you have a chance if, if you find time take your time yeah 45 minutes later yeah he's like it's all good i am in shock i would love to get out but uh right exactly Um, He said, and this is kind of dark, he said he clung to the thoughts of his wife, daughter, and son. So that's what was keeping him alive. And that That... checks out, honestly. Mm -hmm. He, He said, I was fixing to fall asleep. Everything just kind of started getting quiet. And I just kind of felt like I was going. And when I would feel that come on, that's when I'd reach up and grab a hold of the train and raise myself up and kind of start fighting again. So I guess he was like almost doing like pull ups is what I'm kind of Mm. interpreting it as. Like, Mm -hmm. he would start to, like, almost pass out, and he would stop himself from passing out. Does that make sense? Yeah, it feels kind of like when you feel like you're yourself falling asleep 
or if you're about to get sleep paralysis or something where you're, you're feeling it and then you have to, you try to just jolt yourself out of it yeah exactly yeah that makes sense so wow that's really really like yes dark but also very beautiful in thinking about his family yeah i'm also seeing why alex gets so misty all the time <laughs> yes absolutely yeah there's a reason as well yeah so 50 miles north in fort worth helicopter paramedics james bailey and Teresa campbell got the call to come to claiborne and they had little hope duncan would be saved Teresa Campbell said it didn't seem humanly possible to be cut in half by a rail car and still be alive to survive that injury. So when we arrived on the scene and found him pinned under the train, we were surprised to find him awake and talking. Bailey was just as shocked. He said, I'd say his odds were a million to one against him surviving. Whoa, that's so many. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, he's under a train and cut in half. Like, yeah, it makes no sense that he's, one, alive, and two, conscious and talking. Chillin'. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, a little bit chillin'. Kind of. <laughs> Not really. Not really. But, you know, but calling people, conscious. trying his darndest to just be around. Yeah, right? Wow, that really is absolutely crazy. Yeah. So aware that every second counted, a team worked frantically to raise the rail car with airbags to free Duncan. And despite losing more than half of the blood in his body, Duncan was still alive when the helicopter took off for Texas Health Hospital in Fort Worth. And this was 62 minutes after the accident. So this is like over an hour later, he's still kicking. Well, not kicking. Oh, God. <laughs> I deeply apologize. <laughs> he's still he's, going. He's still trying. He's still alive. He's still conscious. He's still with it. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. He was rushed to the trauma unit where Dr. David Smith took stock of Duncan's staggering injuries. He said, when I first heard the report, I thought for sure I'd be going down to pronounce somebody dead. When I got there, he was critical. He was unresponsive and his blood pressure was quite low. He was torn down to just literally one cell layer of tissue between his abdominal contents, his intestines, and the outside world. Oh. Yeah. That is visceral. It, yeah, creepy. But this is really interesting. Possibly the weight of the train kept pressure on his arteries, which may have kept him from, I guess, bleeding out interesting yeah i mean i yeah, guess that, that kind of stands to reason yeah it's very heavy it's pinning it yeah instead of letting things like fall out yeah gush out and according Ugh. to his doctor his physiology is remarkable as well as his will to live duncan himself has said that during his ordeal his red cross training told him he was going into shock and losing large quantities of blood but he also said he never thought that he was going to die which is also shocking for lack of a better word because how did he think after being almost cut in half that he was not going to die honestly just positive thinking i guess yeah that's really great for him that's awesome it, it probably helped him it absolutely helped him wow to just be like yeah well i'm gonna go home yeah. later so i guess i'll just call my fam tell them that this is what went down and see you see you later and he did and he really did that's the power of the mind right there. Seriously. Smith and other doctors spent three and a half hours saving Duncan's life and cleaning gravel, dirt, and grass from his wounds. He was in a coma for three weeks and underwent at least 23 surgeries over the next four months before finally being released from the hospital. And because of the accident, Duncan's left leg was amputated at the hip and the right leg was amputated above the knee and he lost part of his pelvis and kidney. So it was pretty major. But Duncan's insurance paid for remodeling his house to make it wheelchair friendly, which is great. And he mm -hmm. went back to work for his old company, which repairs and refurbishes rail cars. So he went back to work for the rail car company. To work for the enemy. <laughs> I guess. The monster, at least. Yeah, right? Wow. Must have mixed feelings. Just kidding. It was his livelihood. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's if the, it, it makes sense that people will have this where it's like, uh, I mean, I guess occupational hazard. Like, of course, a lot of accidents will happen at work because that's where you spend a lot of your time. But to then just go back to the work 
It's like, there's got to be some PTSD there, I'd imagine. You would think. You would think. Yeah. But also, I don't, it's just, it's work. I don't know. That's yeah. crazy. Maybe he just loves trains. A lot of trained people really do. Yeah. For more than two years after he was cut in half by a train, Truman Duncan avoided media requests for interviews as he recovered from his injuries and went back to a full and productive life. But after that point, he wanted to speak out and let others, including soldiers who had suffered traumatic injuries like his, know that life is still very much worth living. Oh, Yeah. Very sweet. That's so good. Yeah. In 2008, he was just starting his process with prosthetic limbs, and that was the last interview that I had seen with him, so I'm sure he's doing great since then with his prosthetic journey. Um, And he said, the will to live is paramount in your survival in a desperate situation. I think it makes all the difference between life and death for many, many people. Today, Duncan has an office job at the rail yard, like I said, and is an inspiration to everyone who saw him on that June day. He's living proof that human beings can beat impossible odds. And when he was asked why he thinks he survived, he says he doesn't know. He's just a normal guy who wanted to survive and see his kids grow up. Oh, yeah. Wow. Way to go, Duncan. Seriously. Pretty crazy stuff. I did not think that any person could get run over by a train and survive. So, yeah. Shocking, to say the least. He beat the odds. You could say that. A real great attitude on that guy. Through and through. Yeah. Whole story. Absolutely. He's like, yeah, I don't know why I survived. I guess I just wanted to see my kids grow yeah. up. I'm just a normal guy. I'm just a guy. Yeah. Glad I did. Yeah. Anyway, would you like to hear story number two? I would love to. Okay, let's move on. So uh, we are going to be talking about Erin Langworthy. And she had a bit of a bungee jumping accident. Oh, no. What could possibly go wrong? Well, let's find out. So, December 31st, 2012. After graduating from university, 22-year-old Erin had taken a solo trip to Zambia. While on a safari, she took advantage of one of the activities offered along the way, which was bungee jumping off a bridge 360 feet above the Zambezi River at Victoria Falls. And we are familiar with the Zambezi River because I've told a couple stories about the Zambezi River. Um, Really? Yeah. There are many crocodiles and hippos (gasps) and really dangerous things in the Zambezi River. Um, This is not a safe location to be messing around. So... Anyway, she's going to bungee jump over it. (laughs) She's going to jump from high heights over hippos and crocodiles. Yes, she is. This is a woman who loves a rush. She really does. So she had never bungee jumped before, but she was 22 years old and wanted a big adventure. So she decided she was going to give it a try. I'm sorry. I love that as the full explanation. Like, but she was 22 years old. (laughs) I mean, do we need much more of an explanation? relatable right so you know she wanted an adventure although that didn't stop her from being very nervous she said i felt nervous but never thought anything could go wrong i was the 105th person to jump that day i stood on the platform looked at my ankles which had been strapped together and worried aloud that my feet would slip out someone said that would be the last thing that would happen Because when you bungee jump, your feet are, you know, strapped together with the harness and then you jump off and then you bungee and then you get pulled back up, I'm assuming is how it works. Right. But she had watched dozens of other people in her group safely complete the jump before her, which calmed her nerves a little bit. And I didn't really know a ton about bungee jumping before this. So I looked up some bungee jumping statistics or some... some, uh, death statistics if you will because i wanted to know the odds i wanted to know right 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 so a report said your odds of dying in an accident bungee jumping is one in five hundred thousand so it's pretty good odds if we compare Uh that to the risk of death while in a car journey it's one in twenty thousand okay so it's 
pretty spooky to be in a car <laughs> compared to bungee jumping. Yes. Yeah. For sure. So in reality, bungee jumping is actually pretty safe, providing it's done correctly. Um, the main cause of death will be human error. And this website where I found the statistics had a couple other interesting ones as well. So base jumping, you have a 1 in 60 chance of dying. What's base jumping? Which is, uh, that's basically where you like run and jump off a cliff and then you pull a parachute. Oh, okay. Sorry. And what was the statistic? One in 60. Oh my, what? Isn't that insane? How could you, wait? how do you hear that and then ever do that? So you're gonna die. Like pretty much. That's what I gather. Whoa. Wait, that is, I've never heard a stat so high. I know, right? And I I feel like I've. Or so low, I guess. I don't know what that is. Like, yeah, right? Chance so high. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, American football is one in 50,000. So it's like better than being in a car, but still kind of crazy. Uh Um, Canoeing or kayaking is one in 10,000. That's a little spooky to me. Um, And hang gliding is one in 560. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's, it's. When I think about hang gliding, I think of danger. So I guess it's like <laughs> spooky still. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. those are just a couple that I, I found interesting. The canoeing one. Interesting. Right? Canoeing and kayaking yeah. was kind of shook me a little bit. I guess that kind of makes... There's just so much that could go wrong. Yeah. Like something even like bungee jumping, it's kind of a pretty clear shot. What you're, you're trying to do one thing. Yeah. You know, you just have to be hooked in. That's true. But like canoeing, you're going like long distances and stuff possibly. And That's true. I don't know. Yeah, you could tip. There could be rapids. There could, yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, anyway, we can get back to the bungee jumping now. I just I found those very interesting, and I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Question for you: Where do you fall in terms of fears of heights compared to other fears? Mm, I guess it depends on where I am. If I'm on the edge of something, uh-huh. very scared. So would would you ever be convinced to bungee jump, for example? No. <laughs> no no thank you for your question but no <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm, no okay yeah okay would you all right okay uh i i don't think i'd be interested in that but like i could be convinced mm. not easily but i don't think it's it's i, I could see myself being influ- not influenced i could see myself being you know Talked persuaded it, yeah it would take a lot of persuading. I, but. I guess there's a, a world in which I could be persuaded, but like it would take a lot of convincing. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I don't think heights is my my top. Yeah. I'm more claustrophobic than I am scared of heights. Okay. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Great. Um. All right. Back to Aaron. Anyway. So Aaron's experience wouldn't be as routine as the dozens of people who went before her, as we know. So as she prepared to jump... A guide got her ready at the edge of the platform. She said, before I jumped, I thought, what am I doing throwing myself off a perfectly good bridge? But I was caught up in the moment and simply spread my arms and fell forwards. Everything sped by in a blue-green blur. The rush was amazing. She had her arms spread wide and the guide nudged her over the edge of the platform, sending her off. Almost the entire way, the jump went normally. That was until her cord had extended all the way and the bungee cord snapped, sending her plummeting into the Zambezi River. What? Yeah. Not snapping. Oh, it snapped. What? Mm -hmm. That's like the one thing it shouldn't do. Oh, but it did. (laughs) I thought this was foreshadowing that something was going to be like incorrectly strapped in on her feet. Nope. And it's going to slide out. So she's still also, her feet are still strapped. Oh, she's strapped in. Her oh. her feet are bound. Oh. Holy crap. Okay. All right. Go on. Yeah. So after a few seconds, she said, I felt a jolt across my chest. It seemed as if I slowed down for a second and then sped up. Then I felt myself hit the water. That's when I realized something had gone wrong. It turned out oh. that the rope had snapped at the very top. And there is footage of this online showing the moment she jumped off the bridge and the bungee tearing. I've seen the footage. It's insane. Erin said she actually joked about dying the day before. (laughs) And she fell 40 meters before hitting the water. She said, if I had been over land, I'd be dead. Luckily, it had rained the day before, so the river was turbulent and full. 
Oh, interesting. She recalled... Fun river fact, I guess. Yeah. River fact? <laughs> if, if it rains the day before, you're going to be fine. <laughs> uh, she recalled, quote, the sound of bubbles was so loud. I felt as if I had been slapped all over. My hands had stopped me from hitting the water head first and blacking out. So if her hands ah! hadn't been above her head, she would have just blacked out and drowned. Like, it would have been game over. Because her head would have hit the water uh -huh. so hard. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> she had her hands out or something? Yeah, because, I mean, if you think about bungee jumping, you're just like, your hands are above your head because you're upside down. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So she didn't black out. She said, my lungs were on fire and I was struggling to breathe. She said that morning she had seen crocodiles in the water, but she couldn't oh. think about that right now. Yeah, I'll say. Yeah. Mama, you do what you got to do. <laughs> you keep your head in that game, which is the game being just, just float to the top. Just float to the top of the water. Just figure out what's going on with your feet and your hands. Don't worry about those crocs. Swim. Swim, girl. Swim. Swim, girly. Swim. If only it were that simple. So. No. <laughs> um, the bungee cord had snapped near the top, so she still had about 30 meters attached to her, which kept getting caught. Oh, it's <gasps> yeah. Oh. So. <gasps> Okay. It kept uh -huh. getting caught on like the bottom of the river. So No. Yeah. So she was getting pulled. <laughs> I know, it's terrible. She kept getting pulled downstream and at one point she became trapped below the surface because it, it was just like getting stuck. Yeah. Anchoring her to stuff. Yeah. And her legs were still tied together from the jump and the cord was, you know, caught on things. So she had to turn away from the surface and swim down to yank on the cord and hope it came free there is so much to worry about right now <laughs> there are so many things like the fact that she could even focus up enough i know that there's really not much else that she can do but like to focus up enough to be like okay we're gonna turn around and we're gonna yank on this cord could you imagine your being brain in, would be everywhere it being in that she also situation just slammed into the water recently like very recently <laughs> yeah recently yeah could you imagine being in that situation and then being like oh yeah actually i'm gonna swim down like um oh. no I, i'm gonna continue to fight to get to the surface but then the, i guess that would kill you so you'd have to yeah. swim down i just wonder i guess we'll find out how her feet are hooked in they probably try to do it very tight so that she wouldn't fly off yeah they're they're in there good they have to be so thankfully her yanking did make it come free and she was able to swim to the surface so slay yeah slay yanking <laughs> great yanking incredible she is our yanking queen. <laughs> Huge slay yanking. <laughs> Huge slay. Yank slay. Keep going. Keep going, girly. Keep yanking. Get up there. <laughs> um, but she had to fight with the current of the river for a total of 40 minutes before she... Not the current! <laughs> yeah, the current. There's so much to worry about in this river! Yeah. So she, she finally got pulled out after 40 minutes of fighting the current. Someone from the bungee company managed to get her and grabbed hold of her harness after 40 minutes and pulled her out. So that's good. After 40 minutes? Yes. 40 minutes of fighting the current and yanking and not thinking about crocodiles. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Her body was purple with bruises from the impact. She said, I started coughing up water and blood and began to worry about internal injuries. I was exhausted and struggled to process what had happened yeah understandable yeah right you need some therapy very after understandable that. reaction after miraculously surviving her fall and fighting for her life in the river she was taken to a hospital in victoria falls she said i jumped at 5 30 p.m and didn't get to the hospital in victoria falls until 11 p.m <gasps> make it make sense she said i was put on a ventilator and needed an ultrasound and to see a lung specialist they gave me a large dose of antibiotics. The doctors were worried about how much dirty water I had ingested. X-rays showed no broken Not bones. Not the dirty water. Yeah, right. There's so many. There's so many things. <laughs> Every time I think we've figured out what the main danger is, there is something else. There's so many more things. Um, so there were no broken bones, but her lungs had partially collapsed. Oh, I mean, she hit that water 
so hard. Imagine fighting a current with collapsed <gasps> lungs for 40 minutes. Wow. Wow. I, I can't I can't imagine it. No. So she had to be airlifted to a hospital in South Africa where the facilities were better. And the guys from the bungee company visited her in the hospital and were very apologetic and astounded she survived because they were like, please don't sue us. Hey, um, Aaron, please don't sue us. That'd be like really awesome if you didn't sue us. Hey, hey, queen. <laughs> hey, girl. Hey. Hey. What's going on, Aaron? Hey, I know um, you're like Remember totally, that crazy thing? You're like totally covered in bruises, but you look awesome. You look so awesome. Those a purple's a good color on you. <laughs> oh I'm sorry God. your lungs collapsed. <laughs> That's so weird um, that that happened right after that bungee jump. You don't remember that, do you? The j- bungee thing, mm. right? No, I, I, You're not I didn't even about see that, it. Right? No. That was so crazy. That was funny, right? I was laughing the whole time. Oh, no, that's not. Actually, no, that's wrong. <laughs> oh, sorry. Following the accident, Erin called her mom. Uh, because she had sent her a postcard the day before saying, I'm doing a bungee jump tomorrow, so I'll say goodbye. Only joking. Okay, cue the Curb Your Enthusiasm music. <laughs> right. <laughs> Ooh, sorry, mom. Uh, so she now keeps that on her fridge because it's kind of a mm-hmm. joke. <laughs> uh-huh. um, she recovered for two weeks in the hospital before she was able to return home to Australia She said, I'm a positive person, so I've never been angry about what happened. Around 50,000 people jump from that spot every year, so it was a pure chance that the rope snapped on me. Just wear and tear. They've now introduced measures to ensure it doesn't happen again. And when asked in an interview on the news if she'd ever bungee jump again, she said, probably not anytime soon, but maybe sometime in the future. So she's incredibly chill, is what I'm learning. (laughs) Wow. She's like, no hard feelings. It's fine. I'll probably jump again soon. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> just wear and tear. Yeah. It's just wear and tear. Just general wear and tear. Oh. I would like to retract my earlier statement about how I could probably be persuaded to do this. <laughs> because that's not worth it. Yeah. I'm no, sorry. No. I don't think that I would. I'm not. I don't believe in my yanking abilities enough. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, I retract mine as well. And the crocodiles. And we didn't even talk about the hippos. Ugh. Don't even get me started on hippos. Don't even get me don't even get me started about the hippos. Dangerous. Huge. Scary. Angry. Have you ever seen a hippo bite on a watermelon and crush it in like two seconds? Not even? One of the reasons that hippos are so dangerous is because like you just don't know what they're gonna do. They're unpredictable. They're sometimes they're mad, sometimes they're chilling. Yeah. They're very territorial. But they can just do it at any moment. That's one of the reasons. Yeah, they're awful. Which is so scary. I agree. There's nothing you can do. They could just decide they hate you that day. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway. Way to go, Aaron. So true. All right, on to story number three. I'm gonna start this by saying getting impaled through the brain is usually deadly because the brain controls all sorts of things we don't think about. Breathing, heartbeat, and blood pressure for a few. Yet in 1848, railroad worker Phineas Gage survived getting impaled by a 3.5 foot, 13 pound rod he was using to pack a hole with explosives. I'm sorry, the activity he was doing was like also the most dangerous activity in the world. (laughs) Like quite literally, one of the most dangerous things you could be doing. (laughs) Yeah. So in 1848, 25-year-old Gage was the foreman of a crew preparing a railroad bed in Cavendish, Vermont, when disaster struck. On September 13th, 1848, he was using an iron tamping rod to pack explosive powder into a hole when the powder suddenly detonated, sending the 43-inch long 1.25 in diameter rod hurtling upward. The heavy iron rod shot directly through Gage's jaw, brain, and skull. (laughs) The tamping iron weighing 13.25 pounds penetrated Gage's left cheek, ripped into his brain, and exited through the back of his skull, where it landed 80 feet away. Wait, so it's out of his head now? Oh, it it shot straight through. It shot... Nope. Nah. (laughs) No thanks. No, I'm good. Yeah. None for me. And it was supposedly carrying a bit of his brain on the end of it. (gasps) 
Well, I guess one would think. Right? Yeah. Whoa, it just shot straight through. Yeah. He supposedly never lost consciousness because this is just what what people are doing in this episode. They're just not losing consciousness. And he was able to walk and alert a nearby coworker who rushed him to a, to a doctor. Okay, I'm sorry. What do you think that conversation was like? He's like, hey, hey, something happened. <laughs> I wonder if it was like embarrassing. He's like, um, so, uh, this is awkward, but, uh, uh so I have how many feet was the pole? 13 feet. A 13 foot rod just shot 80 feet out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's got no left eye anymore he's just like uh he's like hey did um did a rod shoot through your head no just me no then i would love to be taken to the hospital <laughs> do you think it's bad that a rod just shot straight through my throat and head and took some of my brain with it do you think that might be a problem all right i would love a ride <laughs> just regular water cooler conversation <laughs> water they've got the little cone cups the like paper yeah. cone cups <laughs> He drinks it and goes, no, that's so, that's too much. <laughs> he's like, he sips the water, it comes out of the hole in his it mouth. It comes right out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really bad. Um, okay. <laughs> it's okay. It happened in like 18 something. I know. It's fine. It's in olden days. It's yeah. fine. The article I read said, he also remained savvy enough to tell a doctor that day, quote, here's business enough for you. So somehow they had this direct quote. And he was like sassy to the doctor. <laughs> like he was business for the doctor? Yeah. Yeah. The doctor. Hey, you want a job today? Yeah. Here's business enough for you. Because that's how they all talked back then. Listen, see? <laughs> ah, see? Sorry. I can't see. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Thank you. Uh, the doctor was astounded that he not only survived, but was conscious and able to communicate with that kind of an injury. Despite, that really is a trend in this, like, in this episode. Literally. Yeah. Despite being blind in his left eye, Gage was able to leave his house within a month and could even recount when and how the accident happened. That's incredible. The human body is confounding. Yeah. He had a straight up hole shot through his brain. And he was just like, yeah, it happened last week or, or like last yeah. month. Whatever. That was crazy. Embarrassing, quite frankly. I mean. I was embarrassed. Ugh. I was embarrassed. I was just tamping that explosive stuff in that hole. And then it pff, kaboom, you know? Oops. Uh, but although incredible, a survival like that didn't come without costs. Gage's name was etched into history by observations made by John Martin Harlow, the doctor who treated him for a few months afterward. Harlow had written, Gage's friends found him, quote, no longer Gage. The balance between his, quote, intellectual faculties and animal propensities seemed gone. He could not stick to plans and uttered, quote, the grossest profanities and showed little difference for his fellows meaning the closest to him noticed that Gage became extremely aggressive and lacked a lot of social skills that he once had. Huh. Interesting. So studies carried out in 2012 concluded that his injury had destroyed 11% of the white matter in Gage's frontal lobe and 4% of his cerebral cortex, causing irreversible damage to his rational processing. It shot the... It shot, like, the appropriate part of his like the social awareness part right out yeah that's crazy it literally got lifted out yeah yeah it just got shot out of his head and then just was in the grass somewhere it i don't know wasn't in there anymore that's crazy so he's still going but just like a lot worse behaved yeah he's like really aggressive and just like not the same Whoa. Yeah. The railroad construction company that employed him, which had thought him a model foreman, refused to take him back. So Gage went to oh. work at a stable in New Hampshire, drove coaches in Chile, and eventually joined relatives in San Francisco. He lived for 12 years after the accident and passed in May of 1860 at age 36 after a series of seizures. So it looks like the injury did end up killing him but not for 12 years which is yeah kind of incredible honestly yeah. yeah 
So that's obviously very tragic. However, in time, Gage's case became one of the most famous in neuroscience because it was the first to suggest a link between brain trauma and personality change. University of Melbourne's Malcolm Macamillion wrote in his book, An Odd Kind of Fame, Stories of Phineas Gage, that two-thirds of introductory psychology textbooks mention Gage. Even today, his skull, the tamping iron, and a mask of his face made while he was alive are the most sought-out items at the Warren Anatomical Museum on the Harvard Medical School campus. Interesting. Yeah. So he's kind of famous. Yeah, he made a name for himself. Well, he didn't. Yeah. (laughs) He is remembered. Yes. Yeah, he's remembered. Yeah, there's one photo of Phineas Gage, and for a long time there was speculation as to whether it was actually him or not. It's a black and white photo of a man with one eye closed and scarred, and he's holding this, like, large rod in the photo. And there was speculation as to whether or not it was him, because at first people thought it had been a wooden rod or a harpoon that was being held by the man, and Mm. experts were also intrigued by the man's appearance, Over the years, they thought it might not be him because they thought that Gage was an ill-tempered, shiftless drunk who was, like, kind of low class, but the man in the photo seemed well-dressed and confident. But after everything, it was determined that it was almost definitely Phineas Gage because a man named Michael Spurlock, um, a database administrator in Missoula, Montana, discovered writing on the rod And he couldn't read all of it, but part of it said, quote, through the head of Mr. Phi, uh, P-H-I, and it was discovered in March of 2009, the tamping iron had been inscribed in Gage's lifetime, quote, this is the bar that was shot through the head of Mr. Phineas P. Gage. Wow. So it is a photograph of him. Like, it hasn't been, like, officially said, like, this is him, but, like, they're like, yeah, it's most likely him. Wow, they really piece that together yes must have been an incredible moment when they found that final clue yeah crazy i looked up the photo to see him oh yeah i wonder what they took it for probably for one of those through their studies of him yeah because it really is just him uh him and his him and his rod yep and his little closed eye Mm Mm-hmm. it'll be on the instagram so we'll all see it really interesting story i mean i didn't mean to have these stories be like a through line of like this crazy thing happened and now they're all like conscious still through it (laughs) Uh but i guess that's the through line of this episode (laughs) kind of kind of cool he got an iron rod shot through his head and he was still conscious so that's yeah that's pretty neat what we've learned is positive attitudes will get you a long way i think it's positive attitudes on the verge of denial but i do find that to be extremely powerful yeah because if you just go well yeah i just got a rod through the head but i think i feel perfectly capable of walking over to my coworker. then hey maybe you can yeah who says you can't who says you can't just do it try it out do it <laughs> do it give it a shot all right on to story number four this one is giving final destination okay like quite the others weren't okay well they were but this one is quite literally giving final destination because um it happened in one of the final destination <gasps> movies okay um final destination ominous two has this in it so i'll just leave you with that and we can (laughs) an ominous uh intro yes on october 11th 2019 a motorist in georgia had an extremely close call after his 2003 nissan xterra was impaled by logs from front to back this unnamed driver had been driving on cleveland highway in whitfield county near the border with tennessee behind a logging truck when he dropped a coffee or something on the floor of his car and instead of leaving it there he decided to bend down and grab it and as he did Mm. that he rear-ended the logging truck in front of him and Mm. as that happened as many as 40 felled trees smashed through the windshield and out the other end of the car oh my gosh wow i can see it so clearly in my mind yeah yeah i did not see the final destination movie but this actually happened in it this did happen yeah i also have not seen the actual second final destination movie but i have seen the scene where this happens and um yeah it it literally happens in the in the movie do you think it was inspired by it (laughs) 
Yeah, you the, know? The guy. You know if that was... No, the, the movie happened first. I thought you meant, like, the... Really? Yeah. I, th- I thought you <gasps> meant, like, the guy behind the truck was, like, no. let me just, like... he was inspired? <laughs> I'm inspired. I'm inspired by the Let's movie. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, it worked. Yeah. That's crazy that the movie came out first. That's... That is freaky as hell. Yeah, well, because the movie came out, like, I don't even know what year but i mean many years ago and this happened in 2019 so this is oh okay fairly recent Uh but it's actually kind of freaky because i mean only one source that i saw said that he dropped a coffee and the other sources were like he dropped something so i don't know if that i don't have it confirmed that it was a coffee but Hmm. in the final destination the driver dropped a coffee so it's a little weird that like that is if weird. he did drop a coffee it's a little strange which is why you were like was he inspired <laughs> i was kind of giggling because like that would be silly if <laughs> he's like this reminds me of my favorite movie it's my favorite movie yeah it had to have been his phone we've dropped our we've all dropped our phones and reached down there it, which is super yeah. dangerous to do absolutely yeah oh so what happened so yeah the the logs went completely through the windshield and to the back of the car so the car itself was destroyed and it looked like the driver must have died in the accident however his seat had not been in an upright position at the time of impact which made it so the man had a place to be oh interesting yeah his seat was back yes so the the logs could just kind of he could push backwards what yeah so it's actually insane because him bending over to pick up whatever he dropped caused Uh the accident but it also saved his life because his head was down so when the logs went through the truck his head was down so he didn't get a head like a log to the head if that makes sense so did he get trapped underneath them then like like leaning over like kind of yeah but so you said that the seat was also leaning leaned back so the log went yeah so so the seat was was the seat was back, okay. so there was, like, space for his body, I guess, but he was also kind of leaning forward. It was, it's kind of oh, a little Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought his seat was leaning back, but I see it's, like, pushed back. Yeah. Okay. And then it, the, the, because he's leaning down, then the log just create like, a little roof for him. Yes. Where he's squished. Interesting. Whoa. Yeah. So I guess it's like, oh, well, good thing he was leaning over. Right. But if he hadn't leaned over, then this never would have happened. Exactly. So. Yeah. When the fire department... Just lucky, I suppose. Yeah, right. When the fire department crews arrived on the scene, the driver was trapped with just a little space between the logs and his face, according to Battalion Chief Chris Dempsey. Firefighters cut 30 to 40 logs to gain access to the driver's side of the vehicle and then used extraction equipment to remove the side of the car. And the driver was able to get out of the car on his own with only minor injuries to his upper torso and the extraction took only about 10 to 15 minutes. So, like, this entire thing happened, and he was basically fine. Fine. And there was, like, 30 to 40 logs in the car. That's a lot of logs. <laughs> like, think about how many logs that actually is. Those are big trees. 30 to 40, did yes. you say? Yeah. That's so many. Yes, I know. Yeah, and they were astounded to discover that his head had ended up in a hole that was perfectly sized for where his like for his head so he got perfectly lucky and was almost unscathed yes and so all he did was absolutely total his car Mm -hmm. and waste a lot of wood yes yeah all right Mm -hmm. and and uh the article that i was reading was like this man should buy a lottery ticket because like what the hell yeah yeah (laughs) Uh uh-huh yeah the rest of the car was completely damaged and the logs shattered the front windshield and went all the way through the back window um and at this time it's unclear if the driver will face any charges and he he has not been identified so that's that's where the story ends but that's insane isn't it that is crazy that he was like just tetris perfectly tetris in in a way where he's just fine Mm -hmm. pretty insane (laughs) he should buy a lottery ticket indeed seriously all right fun little story i know uh all right well on to our last which is story number five um and this one is also kind of silly but also kind of tragic so okay i'll prepare my myself accordingly yeah for silly and for both moods silly and tragedy um okay okay (laughs) perfect thank you for preparing um charles osborne served a life sentence in hiccups what so 
wait, what? The thought of having the hiccups for an hour is pretty frustrating. But an Iowa man likely made other hiccup sufferers count their blessings after enduring these irritating involuntary gasps for 68 years. What? Yeah. Say more. He also scored a Guinness World Record along the way. Uh, okay. When did they start? So in, I'll just, I'll just say more. So in 1978, Charles Osborne, while discussing his ceaseless hiccup bout, said, I don't know what it would be like to not have them. I get so sore jerking all the time, which is sad, right? Like it's, that's a lot. So he reportedly experienced 20 hiccups per waking minute for a total of 430 million during his lifetime. 20 hiccups per minute? That seems like even like a lot of hiccups per minute. Yeah, that is a lot. I, I, I feel like I have like one every 30 seconds if I have hiccups. Yeah. Like, same. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I want to know when they started. I want to know if it was a condition. Tell me. Tell me. So more. despite his debilitating condition, the pig farmer remained positive and fun loving, according to his pal, Kevin Koskovich. And he said the character often greeted people with the what the hell is going on. So he... He was just a fun-loving guy. He liked to greet people in a silly way. Um, He was born in 1883, and he said his lifelong malady began in 1922 when he had an accident working on a farm near Union, Nebraska. In 1982, Osborne had been hanging a 350-pound hog for butchering when he picked it up, but when he picked it up, he fell down. So he just fell over with a big heavy hog (laughs) which is kind of ridiculous if you ask me so it was like a ham accident it was (laughs) um for lack of a better explanation it was a ham accident yes (laughs) that's ridiculous yeah it's a little ridiculous yeah one in a million wow that's very Interesting. I guess occupational hazards of being a pig farmer. Mm-hmm. He initially <laughs> over with a hog. Yeah, right. Uh huh. He initially didn't think much of the incident until he started hiccuping nonstop. Uh, so it just like traumatized his diaphragm or something. Um, actually, I'm gonna say this a little bit later, but they think it was something like a, a blood vessel like popped in his brain or something. Oh. Yeah. What? Oh, so it was like the signals in his brain. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So hiccups are thought to originate in the brain and involve the involuntary contraction of the diaphragm and the shutting of the glottis, the opening to the vocal cords, which causes the recognizable hick sound. Attacks, which can entail between four and 60 hiccups per minute, can be triggered by many things, including drinking or eating too much, getting excited or swallowing air when chewing gum, according to Smithsonian Magazine. And they generally occur for only a few minutes and are perceived more as an irritation than a cause for concern, although they can be warning signs for more serious conditions. When they last more than 48 hours, hiccups are considered chronic, and when they persist for over a month, they are deemed intractable. And the super rare variety suffered by Osborne affects only one in 100,000 people. Wow. Which seems kind of more than I thought. High? Yeah, that seems kind of high. Seems so, so unlikely to be in a situation that would create that. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's interesting. It makes sense they start in the brain. It's like yawning or something where it's trying to give you more oxygen. Yeah. And so it's just your brain telling your body to keep it up. Yeah. And so his brain's just nonstop sending that signal for 68 years. So wait, so how old was he when that happened then? So he was born in 18... Something. Born in 1883 like it... and it was it happened uh-huh. in 1982. Wait, what? No. It did not happen in 1982. 18... <laughs> he would be 100 years wait, old. but it also can't happen in... 1882 because that would be neck. <laughs> hmm. He was born in 1883, and it happened when it's, it couldn't have been the 80s. Wait, my notes say 1982. Huh? That can't be right. He was 100 years old <laughs> when he fell over with a ham. Wait, wait, wait. That can't be right. Hang on. Later on, I say, okay, wait. 1978. 
He was 56 years into his hiccup attack. Okay. Okay, so he was born in like the 20s. Yeah. Okay. He was born in 1922. Okay. So he wasn't born in 1883. My bad. Sorry, guys. We figured it out. I'm glad we figured it out. That would have been confusing for people if if we uh, didn't figure that out. So thank you for that. Thank you for catching that. Saving the day. Causes of long-term hiccups range from diabetes to cancer and alcoholism. Interesting. Huh. So I guess those are the people who are having the like yeah persistent hiccups. I didn't realize it was it is a symptom that people experience. Yeah, I didn't either. It's yet unclear what caused the farmer's condition, but at a checkup following his 1922 tumble, okay, 1922. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. Uh the doctor said that quote I busted a blood vessel the size of a pin in my brain. So that's like likely the cause. Physician Terence Anthony postulated that the fall impacted the portion of his brain that inhibits the hiccuping mechanism. Ali Steefy, a Texas neurosurgeon who invented a device that instantly relieves hiccups, said that the old timer could have sustained a minor injury during the fall that damaged his breathing muscles thereby causing the incessant glottal episodes, which I'm interested in a device that instantly relieves hiccups. I know, that feels a little too convenient for the situation. That sounds like, I want to check on her credentials, because did she just come in and say, yeah, well, I invented a machine that instantly cures your hiccups. I could have solved the problem. Like, it's giving snake oil. (laughs) Not to to, uh, actually disrespect this woman in STEM, because I'm sure she actually did it. Right. We love that. Right. But that is a funny, that, that's a funny invention though. That, that is. is very, Although, amazing. if that is real, I, I would like it. I would like to yeah. see it. How much? Yeah. Give it to me now. Um, because also. What if the invention turns out to be her going, boo. <laughs> the machine is a glass of water that you drink upside down. <laughs> that was a good one. You got me. <laughs> yes. <sighs> I was saying this the other day. Why are hiccups so embarrassing? There's no reason for hiccups to be so embarrassing. Because <laughs> it's just like you can't stop yourself from going like. <laughs> like as an adult, why are hiccups so embarrassing to have? You can't control them. Everyone has them like every once in a while. But they are yeah. so weirdly embarrassing for no reason. And I, I hate it. I hate when it happens. I, I always feel like I have really? to like apologize after them. And maybe that's just... Well, that's probably... That's just on being a woman, I think. But like... (laughs) Yeah. And the way you're going about it, maybe that's what makes it so embarrassing. Because then you're going, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Because that seems kind of embarrassing, to be honest. I kind of like having hiccups. Maybe because it gets me some instant attention. mm, Yeah. Where you're like, oh, I must have eaten food too fast. Everyone look at my cute little hiccup. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to clarify I'm not saying sorry after every hiccup, but I would like to because I hate it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Although that would be very silly. That would be really funny, though. Um, All right. Let's keep going. Uh, In 1978, 56 years into his hiccup attack, Osborne told the press that he'd give everything I got in the world if I could get rid of them. And I don't I don't blame him. Uh, To alleviate his affliction, he went to numerous doctors, once traveling as far as Alaska, but no one was able to cure him. Uh, Oh, poor guy. (laughs) It really sucks. He enjoyed a brief respite after receiving oxygen and carbon monoxide treatment at the Mayo Clinic, but he quit on account of not being able to safely respirate the toxic gas. Osborne estimated that he'd received 4,000 letters from well-wishers giving folk remedies ranging from finger massages to pressing the chin. One well-intentioned pal even tried frightening the hiccups away by discharging a shotgun behind his head, which Osborne said startled him but didn't scare the hiccups out of him. What if it gave him tinnitus? That would be just the worst. (laughs) That would be so mean. Oh, God. What's your hiccup remedy? How do you get rid of yours? That's a great question. Um, I feel like usually just a lot of water. Yeah. I. They say to hold your breath and then drink water. Yeah, I plug my nose, tilt my head back, and drink water until I can't breathe anymore. Oh! And that's, that's on Mama. That's a Mama classic. That sounds like that sounds like Mama right there. Yeah, right. My, my grandmother, 
for those of you who are unfamiliar with Mama. Who I recently met in person, Steph's wonderful grandmother, <laughs> who is magical and seems, in my opinion, to seem like she has a lot of answers. So that she, makes sense. She does. Does it work? It Yeah, most of the time. Drink water till you can't breathe anymore. <laughs> well, it works sometimes. So you'll either pass out or, you know. Get and then the you wake up and you have no hiccups. <laughs> yeah. And bada bing, bada boom. Bada they're bing, gone. Bada boom, no hiccups. Thankfully, Osborne has learned had learned to mitigate the hick sound through breathing between hiccups like a like a diaphragmatic silencer, a technique he learned at the Mayo Clinic. He'd flex his chest three or four times every minute, and you could tell he was hiccuping, but he wouldn't make any noise. So he just kind of coped in like a weird, quiet huh. way. This suppression technique allowed him to keep a lid on the hiccups to a point that he wouldn't experience them at night which is oh. interesting. Wow, what a relief. It's also a little bit confusing to me because if he didn't have them at night, then why would they start up again in the morning? But yeah, I don't know. Huh. He also had a lot of weight loss because of this because he couldn't... Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, he couldn't keep food down, which really sucked. Despite his torturous ailment, he was able to live a long and fulfilling life during which he worked numerous jobs, including farm machinery salesman and cattle and hog auctioneer. He was also married twice, courting his second wife between gasps and fathered eight children. Courting his second wife between gasps? (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's literally what he's like, hey. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Marry me? (laughs) I'm only saying that because it seems like that was his attitude towards it. That was written down somewhere. Marry me? (laughs) Between gasps. That is... He's like, go to your room. (laughs) To his kids. I guess he literally... He literally was. Wow. Yeah. But he had eight kids, so he he clearly had game. Yeah. Gosh, he was still... He's popping them out. Yeah. Um, although he, he also was kind of a global sensation and he had appearances on the tonight show starring Johnny Carson and on the Robert Ripley's believe it or not radio show. And in 1990, his hiccups inexplicably stopped nearly 70 years after they began. Um, he then, wow. Yeah. But he then passed away in May of 1991, meaning that he only enjoyed at least several months that were hiccup free but at least he did get a few months of that but then he did pass away so honestly if we look at it in a in a positive bright side then it's like if things were if it was already his time to to pass anyway then it was just like the those twilight months yeah he got a couple blissful months free yeah yeah that's true kind of beautiful it is and he lived a a long fulfilling life with children and wives and jobs and he was on the johnny carson show and believe it or not so he kind of slayed he really did wow i think i figured out also he probably was 40 i bet he was born in the 1880s i bet he was 40 when he got it if he got it in the 20s right oh sure yeah but if he died in the 90s then he was old as hell anyway i guess we can't know about the timeline but sounds like he did have a very long life he did but so much of it was with hiccups 70 years damn near yeah he had hiccups longer than some people even, than a lot of people even get to live. Yeah. But that's the freak accidents I have for you. Those were free key. Freaky. I think another theme of the people in this is that, well, I guess we don't know about the log guy. We don't know much about him, but everybody else, great attitudes. Yeah. Horrible things happened to them, but they, they remained positive and they kind of slayed, to be honest. They did. Truman, great attitude and ended up like representing people who also had been in accidents or had trauma like that. Yeah. Uh, Aaron, our Yank queen. Yeah. Who still continues to want to have adventures and is like, yeah, you know, no sweat. (laughs) Don't worry about it, you guys. Uh, The guy who got the pole through the head who ended up being important in scientific findings. Yeah. And uh, is remembered. For that. In areas of study, etc. Yeah. Um. The log guy who had a movie made about him before it happened to him. <laughs> right. That's pretty impressive. And then finally, Charles Osborne, who also made the most out of the, the situation. It's too bad for him. But, you know, he got to go on talk shows and, and still had a good sense of humor. Yeah, that's true. He was still silly, even though he had 70 years of hiccuping. Wow. That was a lovely, uh, 
a lovely little recap you just gave. So thank you for that. Yeah. It's almost like you uh, podcast. It's almost like I have a podcast where I summarize movies it's the almost, entire time. It's almost like you have a podcast called Toss Popcorn or something. I do Toss Popcorn if anybody wants to follow it. <laughs> Absolutely. It's lots of ladies being silly. Silly. Um, well, I have a question for you. Um, what is your good thing? Oh my gosh, I'm so honored to be asked this question. <laughs> well, of course my good thing is to be podcasting with my friend oh. right now who recently left for Michigan, which is a bad thing. I don't want to talk about <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> it's a neutral thing. No, no, no. Um, it's really great to be podcasting with my friend. Um, I'm so honored to be here. And then also I just got fabric pens so that I can like draw on my clothes. And I'm actually really looking That's forward to that. so fun. I know. Do you have any plans for your fabric pens? I have this pair of pants that I want to be done with that I'm like, oh, I could throw them away. But I decided I'm going to draw all over them. So I'm just going to doodle on them and see what happens. Oh, my God. That's awesome. You yeah. have to send me pictures because I'm oh, I absolutely will. excited I absolutely about that. absolutely will. Me too. Um, okay, Slay. What? What's your good thing? Oh, uh, thank you so much for asking. My good thing is that you are here and you are our first guest and that that is incredible and amazing um and also i am boarding a plane to italy tomorrow <gasps> oh you're gonna be in the sun you're gonna eat pasta you're gonna drink limoncello yeah or probably not limoncello but lots of wine wine because uh limoncello to me Vino. tastes like lemon pledge and that's just a personal opinion yeah, but maybe I don't know what that is. Uh, but I know you're a citrus girly. Lemon, yeah, I am. Uh, lemon, just like the cleaning product. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and that just could be because I've had not so good limoncello, and I'm sure they they've got the good stuff over in Italy. So good stuff. I'm well, sure it's good. There. I'm so excited for you. You're gonna have oh, you're gonna have coffee out on the veranda. Oh, you're gonna have just those yogurts they have over in europe they're just different there oh i can't they got wait cows there are cows yeah much nearer <laughs> so many cows. and that's my assessment of europe as a concept that's yeah and, and i agree and i'm excited i'm so excited for you thank you um you're gonna get in touch with your roots <laughs> so true my italian roots i cannot uh -huh. wait before we close out is there anything that you would mm -hmm. like to um plug to plug i will plug as i discussed a bit my podcast, Toss Popcorn, it is at Tossed Popcorn, past tense of toss, mm -hmm. as if you were watching a movie and then you threw your popcorn up in the air. Tossed Popcorn. We are all over um, anywhere that you find your podcasts, but you can follow us on Instagram or um, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere. We're an iHeartRadio podcast, and it's two ladies uh, watching movies and telling you how to enjoy them in a very anti-intellectual way it's a good time they are both um, hysterical women uh both oh. both comedians both incredible um both friends of mine and yeah you and should we both love staff and you should absolutely go listen to it and follow Yay! them on instagram as well for fun ah oh, flattered and thank you so much for having me on thank you so much this for being here stupendous oh, i have loved every God. moment i'm so glad you're here it's been it we should have done this a long time ago and i'm would like to do it again <laughs> i would be honored i mean fine twist my arm fine all right i mean anyways thank you guys so much for listening if you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about check us out on instagram at not today underscore podcast if you would like to check out the bonus episode we just put up check us out on patreon at patreon.com slash not today podcast if you or anyone you know has a story of survival or something crazy you'd like to send to us and possibly hear on an upcoming listeners episode send it to notodaypodcast at gmail.com we have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. And just keep breathing. Yeah. 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 <laughs>